Welcome to Madam's Hose and Gigolos, a podcast about the history of sex work and historical events surrounding sexual revolutions. I'm your host, Heather, and with me are my friends, Connor and Anthony. Together, we've created a bi-weekly podcast discussing all topics in regards to history and sex. Today's topic is the Stonewall Riots, and we're joined by our friend, Arnold Bryant. Arnold is a local realtor and a black member of the LGBTQ community. So we're going to take a look at the effects of violence and its place in political movements. Hi, thank you guys for having me today. Welcome, Arnold. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Let's start with something just kind of fun to get to know you. Okay. What are three silly mistakes to avoid in life? Three silly mistakes to avoid. Spending money you don't have. Um, Drinking. Um... More than three drinks. I'm <laughs> uh, for two so far. <laughs> Wait, let me finish. More than three. More than three at a uh, social community function, mm. and sneaking out the window when you're 16. <laughs> that seems oddly specific. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's an experience yes, attached to that. There, there, there really is. Um, I was sneaking out the window and. I'm a little, I'm a little bit bigger, but the window was kind of small, um, so I ended up breaking the glass and cut myself. And I had to run back in and say, "Oh, I cut myself on the glass," oh. and get and, and got in trouble. So, were you sneaking out of your own house? I was sneaking out of my own house <laughs> <laughs> to go out. So, don't do that. You're a troublemaker. I, I was. <laughs> oh, I, you know, those three things. You're absolutely right. Are mistakes that I break on a constant. Speaking out the window? <laughs> you know, except for that <laughs> yeah. one. Except for that except one. Except not your own window. You know, I think I was lucky enough to live on the third story of a condo complex Ooh. growing up, so that wasn't even an option. There was one time I tried to crawl through a doggy door, and Ooh. then I got stuck. Ooh. <laughs> I got locked. I mean, I wasn't doing... I got locked, got locked out of my own house, and I needed to get in, and I think my parents were mad at me like they always are, and I was trying to get back into the house and so I tried to go through the doggy door but my hips are just too wide and I couldn't mm. fit and I got stuck and then the dogs were like licking my face and so excited to see me if I, as I'm half in the house. You've got big dogs now so I'm sure you could fit through your current doggy door. I don't even have a doggy door now because I have cats that will go out the doggy door mm. so we mm. just the dogs just let me know when they want to go out. So when your parents found you did they just leave you there or was it I they <laughs> never they never found me they <laughs> I just ended up working my way and kind of squirming my way back out of the doggy door I escaped but it was a moment cool so how do we uh, jump into our, our topic um no what we're gonna do is jump into your birthday oh yes happy belated birthday how was your birthday it was good I didn't do uh anything too crazy went to palm springs for the uh for the weekend with the family which was nice you guys ever been to palm springs during pride month no, no. i hear it gets pretty no. crazy but we do want to wish you a happy birthday oh my goodness you actually brought me a cake i'm just surprising connor with the cake right now that i've had in my bag this whole hour we've been talking <laughs> uh i should go get some plates and uh I, I have four plates. I think that looks like a, a solo cake that you need to handle yourself. I think so. This ain't yeah. a solo cake, guys. <laughs> this is definitely a four-person cake. And, and there's I, there's no candle because I feel like these soundproof walls are maybe not. They're yeah, fireproof. Are no, they? but we don't do candles in this post-COVID world. That, that's mm. right. We don't. See, you're always thinking. Yeah. Well, thank but you very much. For happy the, birthday, for Connor. And, uh, happy birthday, Connor. We, we will definitely split this cake. Thank you, guys. <laughs> and happy Father's Day to Anthony. 
Yeah. Thank you. Is it? When, you know, it's funny. Is, this is horrible. When's Father's Day? <laughs> it's next <laughs> is weekend. It next, next Sunday. I, I will be. I will, I will be doing open houses and avoiding my father. Just kidding, <laughs> Dad. If you're listening, I thought you were going to say and avoiding your son. <laughs> my son's too little for for you know. I just, I take it as like a, a free day right now. You know, I'll get a uh, you know something made out of clay from from daycare that has you know his name written in it from his teacher but other than that you know and then what's the future for that like a, a tie <laughs> socks a tie or socks yeah. if you're yeah. lucky honestly for me for mother's day i was like i just want to do my own shit you don't need to do anything like we're good i have a good relationship with you we're good i let me go to the gym let me do what i want to do let me sit in the sauna like i don't want to go get a pedicure i don't want to go do this I want my time. Just leave me alone that's, and maybe barbecue yes. me a steak or something. That's like a, the, yeah, leave me the fuck alone day. That's mm. that's what I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I remember on Mother's Day going to the gym and then seeing the whole line outside of a restaurant for brunch and these women dressed in these nice dresses and wearing these uncomfortable heels. And I was like, who wants to do this? Who wants to wait in line for brunch? And for what a photo op? Like, right. we, like we're Mother's good. Mother's Day is a good day to meet single mothers at the gym. Oh yes. Hey, yes. Connor. That was where all the single dads were at because I was like, where are all these good-looking? Why have they not been here when I come here on the regular basis? But yeah, and Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese is a good place to find single dads. So you know what? And again, Arnold, you're the only married one here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through a separation, just so you know. But uh, yeah, so you are the only one who is not shopping on the open market like the rest of us are. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Um. So yeah. So hit up. Keep hitting up those gems, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's Pride Month. June's Pride Month. We, you know, we need to bring. We need to highlight what people have done for us to have the liberties we have now like me and my partner you know being married um that's a big step and not too long ago you know it was illegal for us to even hold hands and and be seen in public so we need to talk about that um and shed light to those people who really fought for us yeah so before we we get into stonewall should we just talk about kind of the history of everyone who kind of came before you so we have like you know icons like harvey milk you have um, james baldwin uh, you have, yes, Marsha P. Johnson, you know, and you have people like that who stood up against oppression and decided to say, we're not going to take this, you know, shit anymore and we're going to do something about it. And because of them, we're able to walk around, hold hands, you know, get married and be happy without fear of retribution or uh, confrontation from someone. We still have those in certain pockets of the world, but not so much, you know, where we live here in the Santa Cruz Valley. And you're right. Not even like ancient history, but like in our parents' generation. In our parents' time, yeah. Like for for an interracial gay couple to be married here in California is it's awesome. big. It's huge. I mean, uh, what gay marriage wasn't legal until I just remember the song. Um, twenty eleven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. so, it's something that we were able to vote for in our lifetimes. Not right. Like yes. some, something that our parents right. or grandparents were fighting for. And w one thing that I remember reading about, and you, you guys would be able to tell me if, if I'm right or wrong, but I remember during this whole no on hate, right? The whole pr like Prop 8 thing mm -hmm. that was trying to 
protect the sanctity of marriage. Mm -hmm. And the way that it was worded was a way that everyone thought that like voting yes on Prop 8 was like the good, you know, progressive thing to do, right. you know. But I remember reading that it was the black community that was voting against gay marriage. Because in the black community where religion is, is, is a big thing, like Southern Baptist, uh, um, even in my own family, like when I first came out, it was, oh, you, you know, it's, it's against God. Why would you do that? Mind you, you know, a lot of them had babies out of wedlock. They were kind of, how dare I say, like promiscuous in their younger years. Oh, sure, yeah. You they're they're so going to pick and choose. What... They're going to pick, exactly, pick and choose. Um, but they're coming around now. Like my dad is from Little uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And, you know, my dad is an older dad. So when he first heard it, he's like, no son of mine, you know, it's going to be gay. Now he doesn't care. You know, he's he's come around. They eventually come around. So, yeah. Well, that, that was actually going to be my question about just your experience here in Santa Clarita as well. You know, we are a conservative uh, button here in a, in a very blue state. Mm -hmm. So Right. We like to say we're a purple district because we, it, we're pretty much split right down the middle. In and fact, it, the last congressional race was it was like 0 0.05% you know, or something. Which is something I, you know, I've been out here since 1986. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, over 30 years I've been a resident out here. And I'm, I'm mixed race, but... I was considered the only black kid in my class, even though, you know, I'm only half black. So there wasn't a lot of diversity out here when I mm -hmm. came and, and we've gotten younger, we've gotten darker and we've gotten far more diverse, but being in the, L the LGBTQ community and being black in Santa Clarita, how has that influenced your life or how has that made things, have, have, has that been a struggle for you in Santa Clarita? The I know gay you... thing, no. Um, no one has ever had like said anything or had an issue of always been very welcomed um you know as a as a gay person you know i'm not a very flamboyant gay person um not saying that there's anything wrong with that so i haven't had that issue mm -hmm. but um i have had issues with being a black person in the santa Cruz valley um i was driving around my neighborhood I, uh, I live in the summit um looking at christmas lights and someone followed us called the cops and said we were stealing mail and I got stopped five feet from my house. I was literally about to pull into my driveway and three cop cars came, guns drawn, wow. um, pulled us out of the car and said, someone called and said you were stealing mail. Oh I'm like, gosh, with guns, guns drawn? drawn? Yeah, yeah. Well, stealing mail is a federal offense, yeah. but, but I'm thinking, that's quite but an I'm, accusation. I, I'm but, sitting know, here thinking- worthy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking like it's nine o'clock, you know, nine o'clock at night, everyone's home, everyone already got their mail. Why would I go- now to steal mail i would go 12 o'clock when the mail carriers come right like right why would i come now but <laughs> hey um the guy you know they uh he ran he ran me and my partner um through the system they put us put us in handcuffs oh my gosh and put us in the back of the car afterwards you know he shook my hand you know he, he was very nice and cordial it was so funny like when he first i was a little irate in the beginning because i was like why the hell is this happening you mm -hmm. know what what's going on here and the guy was absolutely gorgeous. He a gorgeous <laughs> cop. And he was literally like pressing up against my back and I'm like, You're not doing any like any harm here. <laughs> this is not unwelcomed. Um so I was like, Let me be quiet so I don't get like a sexual harassment like suit against <laughs> against a cop. Um but everything was fine, no problems. He shook my hand, you know, he apologized at the end, and then we went on about our way. 
Wow. And it, so you think that it was because you were black, though, that the call initially came in? Yeah. So, and then my car is small and my windows are tinted. Um, the person that was following us came up right, you know, we were um, at like a T intersection. Um, they looked directly into the car. They see me and Alex and we're like bigger dudes. So I'm not sure if it was, you know, necessarily because I was black or because, you know, I'm black and Alex doesn't necessarily look white or it's just two big dudes in like a little, you know, creepy looking car driving around <laughs> at nine o'clock at night. I don't know, but that's what we were doing. Well, even to have guns drawn. That was the problem. Yeah. Is so aggressive because I know I've been pulled over. That's never happened. I've even mm. pulled over. They've had me get out of the car because it was the day after my 21st birthday. I got pulled over and I handed them my fake ID instead of my real ID. Oh, you wow. knucklehead. I, I mean, it's it's what people like me do. And so they had to verify my ident identity. So they pulled me out of the car, but never once was I handcuffed. Never once was, you know, I just stood on the side of the road as they verified that I didn't have anything, but never was a gun drawn. Yeah, never. And you didn't have a cute cop grinding up against you. No. I did not. They've never touched me. They probably gave you back your fake ID. <laughs> no, they told, they said that, they said I could, uh, the girl who it was, because it was a real ID. It oh, okay. just wasn't me. It was a girl mm. that looked like me. And it was like, this is the appropriate, like, send off for my fake ID, because it was the day after my 21st birthday. Mm. So I didn't even need it anymore. So I was nice. like, yeah, like, I'm going to go ahead and tell Kelly that she needs to go pick up her ID. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, um, but... It's, I don't know, um, being being black in a very conservative area, you know, you just have to, there's certain things you have to understand. Like, you're not, I'm not going to run or, run around at night, especially with every, the political climate um, with police and African-American community. I don't run at night. I don't, you know, walk without, you know, like, my dogs or something. Or I always have my ID on me just in case. You never know. Yeah, it's interesting, though, that you say that you've had more problems for being black. Than, than being gay. Than being gay. Well, it was just the one problem. Otherwise, you would have uh, gotten in trouble for stealing the mail, M-A-L-E. Mm. <laughs> Ladies, watch your husband. Because <laughs> if it ain't me, it's going to be Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about the movements and the pride movements that have brought the gay community together and helped bring awareness and bring the rights. So the first movement to gay rights actually occurred in Germany. One of the World War I's most enduring legacies is often forgotten, but it sparked the modern gay right movement. Gay soldiers who had survived the war returned home and convinced the governments they owed them something and wanted to be recognized as full citizens. Gay rights were already weak, so together they formed new organizations to advocate for their public rights. And the movement was called the Homosexual Emancipation, and it started in the 19th century. The 19th century means it was the 1800s? Yeah, so it started there, but it really caught wind after. The war turned the 19th century movement into the rights as we know today. The Nazis held homosexual men in concentration camps, branding them with the infamous pink triangle badge, which were also given to sexual predators. So there's been multiple and plenty of riots amongst the LGBTQIA community fighting for their rights and that's why we're here because it was a long battle and it's still a battle but we're making progress 
So a decade before the Stonewall riots, a small uprising in response to police harassment of the LGBTQIA people at Cooper Donuts, a cafe in Los Angeles. Gay Americans in the 1950s and 60s faced an anti-gay legal system. Very few establishments welcomed gay people in the 1950s and the 60s. And throughout the 50s and 60s, the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigations and police departments kept lists of known homosexuals, their favorite establishment, and friends of the U.S. Post Office kept track of addresses and material pertaining to homosexuality and where it was mailed. Yeah, so really treated like a crime. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine the invasion of privacy of them keeping track of what mail is coming to your house? Um, I read somewhere that they were doing that because they thought gay people were easily uh, swayed. So they could be traitors to the country. So communists or um, different countries could come in and say, well, here, you know, let's pay you off to give certain information or act as a spy for us. And they were saying gay people were easily swayed that way. And That's really, a bit of a stretch, I think. Yeah. I mean, as we learned from our sex espionage, it was their own people who were being seduced by women that mm-hmm. were were the ones that were being swayed with, with sex and seduction. Not, not, not a gay person, yeah. yeah. They, they were using entrapment mm-hmm. as, as a ploy for, and this is our sex espionage episode if you want to go back and listen to that, but... Yeah, I mean. Yeah, there was the honey potting and honey dicking, as uh, <laughs> Seth Rogen taught us. Right. So state and local governments followed suit, and they shut down bars, catering to gay men and lesbians. Their customers were arrested and exposed in newspapers. Cities would perform sweeps to rid neighborhoods, parks, and bars, and beaches of gay people. They outlawed of wearing opposite gender clothes, and universities expelled instructors suspected of being homosexual. It's within this environment that the Cooper Donuts riot took place. Cooper Donuts was a cafe on Main Street in downtown Los Angeles between two gay bars. And at this period of time, Los Angeles law made it illegal for a person's gender presentation to not match the gender shown on their ID. And this was often used to target and arrest transgender people. So this was specifically a Los Angeles city ordinance that said that you must dress appropriately to the gender indicated on your ID? Correct. Yes. And at that time, your ID had to show your birth gender, right? Mm Mm-hmm. For this reason, many gay bars were hostile to transgender patrons and banned and discouraged them from entering. Drag queens and hustlers fought back after policing of sexual perversion. On the evening in May 1959, police officers entered Cooper's Donuts and asked for IDs of several patrons, a typical form of harassment. The officers attempted to arrest two drag queens and two male sex workers and a gay man. One of those arrested was novelist John Ricci. One of those arrested protested the lack of room in the police car and onlookers began to throw assorted donuts and coffee, cups and trash at the police until they fled in their car without making any arrests. That was the donut riots? That was the donut riots. Throwing donuts at cups? They threw donuts and coffee and cups and trash at the police, and the police just fled. They left. They didn't arrest anybody. They just left. People then took the riots to the streets, and the police backup arrived, blocking the street off for the entire night, and then arrested several people. The Cooper Donuts uprising is often believed to be the first gay uprising in the United States. And it happened right here in Los Angeles. How right about here that? in L.A. Nice. Where this is like the gay, almost the gay capital of the world, you know, with the West Hollywood. And it's so funny how things have changed over the years. Right. 
Right. I mean, the same thing with New York, right? If you think yeah. of LA and New York as being um, the most gay friendly in, in right. the United States, one would assume. Aside from San Francisco. Aside from, aside from San Francisco. Well, San Francisco. we still claim San Francisco. It's California, sure. New York. Then, California, right? New York, right. But I mean, what what kind of makes me laugh a little bit is just the, 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 the law against, and I guess it's certain jurisdictions. I don't think it was a, a federal law, but of of cross-dressing yeah what did wasn't they care? uh wasn't j edgar hoover the uh the yeah, fbi the director created then? the fbi yeah and isn't isn't there some sort of rumor that that he, he was, was a cross-dresser cross <gasps> i never heard that <laughs> i've also read that there's not a lot that corroborates that but i mean mm. at some point when there's so many rumors out is there, that true it's, it's got to be that, true that's like one of those point, rumors right? that mr rogers was a sniper <laughs> yeah. and has tattoos and that's why he has to i've never heard long. that one but yeah think... he, supposedly he has like full sleeve tattoos and that's why he had to wear you know full-length sweaters <laughs> the, the cardigans it's, it's not that... true it's not a true rumor but that's still things that, that well, you heard Bob Ross was actually a, a military sergeant, or he was a high rank military the official. Painter, the painter, right? yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bob and Ross, I believe. he hated screaming at people, and that's how he became Bob Ross, the happy little painter, because he just hated. With that very soothing yeah. voice. With that, wow. we're, we're just going to make a happy little mountain and a happy little tree and a beautiful little rainbow. But he was he was a high ranking official in in the army, and he hated screaming at people. And so then he just became this calm painter. That's, that was his way of dealing with like the trauma or whatever the PTSD yeah. of being. Yeah, yeah, you would never know. Yeah, and he's actually very handsome. If you Google like Bob Ross Young, he's very handsome. You see him in his military outfit. I, I don't remember him being in his military. I mean, it might have been a leather jacket, but I know I saw it. So funny you should bring up New York, Anthony, mm. because in 1966, there was a sip-in at the Julius Bar. In New York, during the 60s, every bar or restaurant could be raided or closed for being disorderly. But what was disorderly? You guys have any idea? Disorderly mm. is like buying a guy a drink, two guys slow dancing, anything like, you know, close proximity, you know, that looks a little too intimate between two males or two females. Yeah. That's disorderly. Yeah, I think, you're I th right. I think you're right. It's it's not so much you know getting into fights and no. causing real problems. Buying another man a drink, chatting him up flirtatiously, that's grounds enough to be charged with disorderly in New York City. You're just, right, Arnold. Mm, just buying a guy a drink. I mean, how often uh, does that happen? Even in the straight community amongst friends, like, hey, Anthony, let's go out and get some drinks. First round's on me. Oh, that happens all the time. Oh, I buy strangers drinks all the time. It, when I would go out and I was drinking, I would always buy. Oh, buy her a drink. Get her a drink. I like her shirt. Buy her a drink. Get her whatever she wants. That's why yeah. I don't drink anymore because I'm too I'm too happy. I'm too friendly. And I'm also spending money I don't. <laughs> exactly. Big mistake. Don't yes. do that. Inspired by earlier sit-ins to desegregate diners in the American South, Dick Leach, Craig Rodwell, John Timmons, and a fourth member, Randy Wicker, joined them later, walked through the door to engage in a sip-in at the Julius Bar. I'm sorry, uh, Dick Leach. I'm. I'm. That's the perfect name <laughs> if you're, you're going to fight for gay causes. <laughs> I am not mature enough to not let that go by without <laughs> any sort of mention. But Dick Leach, uh, I got Anthony Bedgood, and he got Dick Leach. Like, <laughs> it's an unfair world. <laughs> I like the way you look at things. I that totally popped over my head, and usually I'm the one with the foul mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Leach. I think, it, you know, if or I was Leitch. him, I would go with Leach for sure. 
The well-dressed, mild-mannered members of the Madison Society, which was one of the earliest gay civil rights groups, walked into a bar, and when Leach revealed that he and his friends were homosexual, the bartender covered the glass with his hand and refused to serve them, saying, I think it's against the law. New York Times ran an article entitled Three Deviants Invite Exclusions by Bars. The Madison Society finally had a court case it wanted. So at this time, serving alcohol to sexual deviants, which was AKA a gay man, could get a bar or restaurant shut down for disorderly conduct. And in 1967, the courts ruled that the indecent behavior had to be more than same-sex cruising, kissing, or touching, and gays could legally drink in the bar. Nice. So from their rebellion, they got something going. And this has been going on for the past 50 60 years now. Right. They challenged the law. They sat in. And they, they, they had some drinks. They were able to get some press about it. They were able to sue. And they were able to get some rights, but not mm-hmm. where we want it to be. So, speaking of New York again, 1969, the Stonewall Uprising. Right. So, we've heard that term a lot, Stonewall. But, like, I think a lot of people, at least in our generation, maybe don't know the whole story of the Stonewall Riots. Well, this isn't exactly something you read in a history book in high school. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, but gay, I feel like LGBTQ youth, it's you know, it's your responsibility to learn about this stuff because because you know, because if you want to walk around, you know, and be androgynous, people fought for you to do that. If you want to hold your husband's hand, people from this fought for you to do that. Because of this, you can. So they have to learn about this stuff. Well, and you know, it's 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 just unfortunate that you have to be so uh, like you have to go out and and do your own research, pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, uh, us as black men, we get we get to hear and and very diluted, unfortunately, but we do get to hear about the civil rights movement for for black Americans. But we did, I've never heard of Stonewall until you know I've I've heard it mentioned before, but I didn't know anything about it until having to actually go in and look it up. So. That's just an unfortunate thing that we don't talk about these things in in, in any sort of educational environment. Yeah, you might learn about it in college if you take right. a class specifically for that, but it's not something you're going to hear about in high school. And I feel like if it was something that was brought up in public school, maybe our parents' generation would have a problem with that. Oh, I'm it's sure it. they would, but I think hopefully that's that's changing. You know, I mean, it's slowly changing. You know, there's still unfortunately kids getting kicked out. You know, for being gay, a large population of the homeless youth is gay, mm-hmm. LGBTQ. Um, they were kicked out, you know, because their parents are religious or or whatever the reason. And there might be conservative parents like here in the Santa Cruz Valley that, right. yeah, you know, I don't want my kid learning about that stuff. I don't want my kids, you know, around that stuff. Um, there are people, if there's a gay teacher, an openly gay teacher, they, mm-hmm. they have issues with them teaching their kids. Well, let's not forget that in the 80s during the Reagan administration, there was a prop on the bill for California that was trying to ban the gay community from becoming teachers in a public school. Mm-hmm. He was against it, but there was that that bill being presented to make teaching illegal amongst the LGBTQ community. And not just teachers. We, we try to block uh, gay men from being uh, scoutmasters because anytime mm-hmm. you have a, a, a gay person around children, you think that while well, this person's a sexual deviant, they must also be a pedophile, mm-hmm. which isn't the case. But 
you know, it's, it's still a, a fear. Which one has nothing to do with the other, but, you know, then you see that scoutmasters and clergy members are, you know, just... Religious leaders are... Are, are just over and over, we're hearing cases of, of pedophilia, you know, so it's all of these people trying to oppress and, and push that away that seem to be, you know, people who are sexual deviants. There's nothing wrong with being uh, LGBTQ, but they're trying to stop that and at the same time being an actual sexual deviant mm -hmm. which is which is you know i guess irony at its best but there's always going to be a gay kid a lesbian kid i'm starting to see it's more openly accepted in the younger generations people don't care they don't care what you look like they don't care you know if you're black white green blue purple if you're gay straight bi whatever you're just who you are and I'm looking forward to the future because I feel like there's going to be a point in time where hate is not, a, you know, it's no longer a thing. So let me ask you a question. Growing up, I mean, you knew you were gay. Mm -hmm. How would you have felt and how would you have been comfortable with your sexuality if people did talk about the Stonewall uprising or famous gay heroes? If it was discussed in school, do you think it would have made your coming out easier? Did it, would it make your feelings or your, was there an internal struggle? What was that like? For me, I played the straight role for a long time. I went to a predominantly like black uh, junior high. And so not saying that all black people have issues with gay people, but I was just very nervous of, you know, coming out or saying anything and, um, the few gay people that were there weren't treated the best. So I just kept quiet, just kept quiet and you know, kept my mouth shut. To answer your question, if I would have learned uh, about these heroes and these leaders, I think it would have been so much better for me because maybe, you know, there's someone else there that I can, you know, connect with other than, you know, not sexually or anything, but just connect with, and they, you know, they're going through the same situation. Or if uh, there was a teacher or a counselor there, you know, to talk to about coming out and things like that. Yeah, I feel like that if we, we discussed members of this community who have done great things, because there's plenty of people mm -hmm. out there, their stories just aren't told mm -hmm. because of the stigma right. that has been attached. That would have made me feel a lot more comfortable. I came out in high school where I switched, um, I went kind of out of district and went to a, uh, a majority white school at this time. So it wasn't as conservative and I was able to come out and it wasn't an issue because a lot of you know there were a lot of lgbtq kids there that and no one cared no one you know wouldn't get flack for you know being gay or um at the time having a boyfriend or dressing a certain way at that that time i was kind of like finding myself so i did like the makeup and 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 everything so never had an issue some of the administrators um i think would give me a little flack like oh you shouldn't be doing that you shouldn't be walking around like that but None of the kids cared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't isn't that kind of the, the the crazy double standard there is that no one ever talks about people actively showing their heterosexuality, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to come out as straight. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. If you would have seen more, um, or or had had more um, inspirations or mentors, but we don't talk about that for for the straight community because apparently that's the standard, mm -hmm. right? So. Again, it's it's displays of heterosexuality we don't we don't discuss, but it's what will our kids do if they see two men holding hands or two men kissing openly or whatever that is or two women um, kissing openly and what will that do to their psyche? But straight people are allowed to do it 
anywhere and not have to think about it. There's there's no issue with holding hands walking through the mall if you're a heterosexual couple. No one thinks about it. That's completely here's, unfortunate. Here's something really weird about that. My my dad's best friend from junior high, and they're still close now, 50 years later, is gay, but he's also very conservative. So we were watching some uh, TV shows, like the MTV uh, uh, Video Awards or something, and there are two guys on screen kissing, and he's like, ugh, oh, the disgusting, and I'm like, you're gay. He's like, yeah, I know, but they don't have to be like flaunting it to everybody. It's just mm. something about seeing two guys kissing that just ugh, gives me the creeps, and I'm thinking like, how sad is that for this guy? But well, does, he doesn't do that when when a, when a male and a female are kissing. He's not he's not just like ew I've public heard, displays of affection. I've never heard him say that. No. Mm. Or but what about when Britney Spears and Madonna and Christina Aguilera had their kiss? That's another double standard we should right. Like about. I feel like <laughs> when <laughs> women are seen kissing, it's very sexual and it's hot and it's erotic. But when men are two men are seen kissing, it's it's perverted. Yes, it's mm -hmm. it's being a sexual deviant it's right. disorderly it's it's this so there is that double standard where it's two women it's hot but men it's not i think it comes down to like what's going on in the home like i feel like it should be the parents responsibility say you live in san francisco near castro street and you're conservative and you you know castro street can be pretty out there sometimes and you see something you know you that's out of the norm and your child sees it Explain that to your kid. Uh, you know, what, have that conversation. Um, mommy, why is are those two men kissing? Uh, well, this is what this is. Mm -hmm. You know, whether be a little bit more open to have, you know, to have that dialogue with your kids rather than, okay, just let the school system figure it out and we'll just teach you our beliefs and only what we want, want you to know. Uh, I mean, that's hard to say to a lot of people. And I, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for that because who am I to tell someone how to teach their kids, but there's a big open world and shielding them from every single thing. It's not going to necessarily make them a better human, in my opinion. Well, I mean, to, to piggyback off of that, like when I was taught, taught about sex, it wasn't from my parents. It was from school and school was abstinence. Otherwise, you'll get this and you'll get that disease and you'll get mm. pregnant and this. And they really shoved the abstinence down my throat that I was mm -hmm. fearful of sex for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents relied on the school to teach me about sex and to teach me about my body and to teach me about the, this. And so for a while, I had a lot of shame connected to sex. Mm. And, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't learn from, from kids at school. Uh, the, they tell you the absolute wrong things about, about sex. True story. No one talked to my mother about sex at all. It just wasn't talked about in the house. She learned from her girlfriends in junior high that the way you got pregnant was is you're tied to a chair naked and guys throw tennis balls at your breasts. <laughs> she literally thought <laughs> that was how you got pregnant. How did it Bro. happen before tennis balls? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Rocks. Tennis balls have always been around, Connor. You should know that. Did, did this happen to one of her friends? <laughs> she got pregnant by tennis balls? No, no. <laughs> no, but the, but, but, the, but the chairs and the tying up and... Uh, you know, I don't know where people come up with certain things, but again, if you Maybe that was in a porn movie. <laughs> right, but I mean, if you live in a society where, where things are, you, you just can't talk about certain things. I mean, it's weird that we can't have open conversations conversations with our children about sex they're going to to eventually be out in the world and we can't shelter them from from information and being safe and and right and um well really we're doing them a disservice by making them figure it out because it's not like sex isn't going to 
right. happened to them. So, But there's some shame attached to it, right? So it's like, I don't even want to talk to my child about it because I don't want to bring it up. It makes me feel shameful. But, you know, why? Why is that? What so is your, your kid is three. Yes. But Heather, your kids are adults. 18, 18 and, 20. and 20. Yeah. So, no, I had those conversations so with my children. And, you know, as uncomfortable as my son was, my daughter... My daughter was very receptive and we talked about it. And I was like, look, if you're going to learn about it, you're going to do it. I know it's going to happen. Come to me and I'm going to tell you and I'm going to be honest with you and we're going to have. And so I opened that communication and I said, there's nothing shameful in sex. There's, it's not shameful as long as you have a partner that you care about. And I've had the conversations who it, it's healthy, explore your body. It's okay. And even said, like, if you, whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting somebody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're responsible, I don't give a fuck. So if your your kids want to get on birth control or they want you to I took by- my daughter. I told my daughter when she was young, I said, when you're ready to have sex, don't be ashamed and hide it from me. Tell me, because when you can look me in the face and say, I'm ready for birth control, I know you're mature enough to make good, better decisions. And she came to me and said, I'm ready to have sex. And so we took her and we got her on the implant. And she's on the implant and we we open that communication and I feel like she can have, even though this is my daughter, she can have a sex, a healthy sex life and not feel the shame or the stigma to it because it, it's really a natural thing, but school teaches the opposite. Do you have that same um, just ease about that with, with your son? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he wants it, but he he expresses no interest or he doesn't want to leave his bedroom ever. So, I mean, I do express it all to him, like whatever, we'll take care of it. I don't care who you love. Just mm. know that I love you mm-hmm. and I open it and I don't feel like they've they've missed. Like, I don't feel like they're misinformed. Why are you laughing? I, I'm just thinking it's so funny with your son that he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good, mom, but just keep the lotion and the tissues coming. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let me do my own laundry now, mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay. Whether he wants to whether he wants to take care of himself mm-hmm. in a sexual way, there's there's absolutely no shame in it. And I feel like when I would learned how learned about sex ed, it was shameful. Mm-hmm. It's a man and a woman who's in love mm-hmm. and this and that and that that narrative and so there was a lot of shame with sex because it was like well i don't love this man why am i going to have sex with him but then i finally got it out of my hand and head and embraced my sexuality and here we are (laughs) (laughs) would you call me a sexual deviant (laughs) no sexual liberated yeah yes yes. thank you thank you arnold we're gonna be best friends (laughs) 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 so maybe we should get back to the stonewall riots yeah So on a hot summer night in 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn, a bar located in New York's Greenwich Village that served as a haven for the city's gay, lesbian, and transgender community. It catered to an assortment of patrons and was well-known and popular among the poorest and the most marginalized people within the gay community. Homosexual acts were illegal in every state except Illinois, and the bars and restaurants could get shut down for having gay employees or serving gay patrons. Who would have thought that Illinois would be the progressive? I one? know. I was shocked <laughs> to I was see just that. Gonna, I was just going to say that. I'm like yeah. Illinois of all places. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, I, you know, I get the Chicago area because it's you know it's more it's more urban. It's more you know it's it's 
but I'm, the rest of it is very Midwestern. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like the uh, the the prostitution thing about uh, Ohio and New York. Oh, right? right. Where where yeah, you can't use where, your the the past as a character. Yeah, kept yeah. New York. Didn't understand Ohio being the other kind of like you know progressive hmm. state when it comes to that. But yeah, Illinois. Good for you, Illinois. Go Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Newfound respect for Illinois. Most gay bars and clubs in New York at the time, including Stonewall, were operated by the mafia. They pay corruptible police officers to look the other way and blackmailed wealthy gay patrons by threatening to out them. Police raids on gay bars were common, but on this particular night, members of the city's LGBTQIA community decided to fight back sparking an uprising that would launch a new era of resistance and revolution. It's so funny. It's like very similar to the Black Lives Matter movements and like the Watts riots where people just had enough, you know, and they're tired of being kicked around and subjected to violence and mistreatment. They're just like, okay, now we're going to do something. And they did. Exactly. And I think they ended up burning the, the bar. They set the bar on fire and then the police end up fleeing and taking off um after that which has got to be seen as a small victory small victory yes but this is what really kick-started uh the gay rights liberation movement and you have the gay rights liberation front and they started to push for more rights push for more more equal opportunities um and then this is where pride started too mm -hmm. so now every june we have pride it actually started after this particular riot right mm -hmm. on a Christopher year, Street right? one year after yeah so I mean what I read about it too was that these officers were kind of, kind of stuck inside just because of everybody who kind of came to the mm -hmm. rescue of everybody who was being harassed outside right so, <laughs> so they go in to raid this place and all of a sudden they find themselves like kind trapped. of trapped trapped and outnumbered <laughs> right like their holy shit moment was right you know, uh, maybe we shouldn't have harassed these people i guess it was pretty common i don't remember exactly what the deal was but the police used to frequent this bar and kind of bust it up and get everyone out of there because they knew it was mafia owned um and they would some were getting paid off to not come in there or or not, you know, busted up, but they would come in there anyway, just you know, just to be, just to be dicks. Yeah. yeah. And on most nights, the cops would go in there earlier on, like nine o'clock, mm -hmm. ten o'clock at night. But on this night, they waited until like one a.m., two a.m. Mm -hmm. until it was like really late and the party was like really hopping. And they weren't tipped off because usually they were tipped off about it happening. And this time, the bar wasn't tipped off, so they would chase people since they didn't know the alleys. The people they were chasing would end up behind the cops. And so it was just a whole Benny Hill like nice. <laughs> thing of the riots and the cops were inside, but they were also destroying inside. Wow. And so people were fighting back. They were throwing beer bottles and they were throwing, you know, whatever they could. And there, there are, there are talks of bricks and stuff like that. But basically it was just the gay community joining together and provoking mm -hmm. these cops and then humiliating them. By the way, speaking of bricks, so I, I know that there was a nearby construction site and people were grabbing bricks and that's the reason that bricks were, were there and throwing them you know, into the bar and at the cops and everything. But during last year's BLM protests, along a lot of the routes, very suspiciously, there were pallets of like bricks just sitting there. I don't know if you guys saw this. but I heard about it. Yeah. I heard about it, but I, I had no idea. 
I didn't see anything like that, but yeah, I wasn't, I, I wasn't really. I didn't see it here, but yeah. I, I've seen it in the videos. And then you see, you know, buildings getting smashed. And so the narrative that I've seen in some of the progressive groups is like, these people were totally set up, you know, like they're leaving bricks there because they want there to be violence because that mm. kind of takes the movement backwards. Sure, sure. But, you know, I mean, that also fuels, you know, the same sort of sentiments on the other side with everybody who rushed in on January 6th to the Capitol building was Antifa. You know, we have to be uh -huh. careful about that mm -hmm. sort of oh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm... rhetoric just because it works against us mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, which is, I'm with you there. It's, it's, it's absolute nonsense in that case, but in, in my opinion. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, who knows why there are pallets of bricks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so the police were outnumbered between 500 and 600 people. So there were 500 and 600 people just outside of this bar. 10 police officers, including 10 police women, had to barricade themselves inside. The tactical police force arrived to free the police trapped inside the stone wall. The cops were totally humiliated. This never has happened before. And with large numbers, police detained anybody they could and put them in the patrol wagons to go to jail. The mob openly mocked the police. The crowds cheered and started an impromptu kick line and saying, we are the Stonewall girls. We wear our hair in curls. We don't wear underwear. We show our pubic hair. <laughs> That's just what those cops wanted to hear. Now, when mm -hmm. you say kick line, you're talking about like a chorus line. Like a chorus the, kick line. Mm -hmm, yeah. Funny. So they're all lined up and they're, they're chanting and the chorus line faced the line of helmeted and club carrying cops. Just as the line got into a full kick routine, the TBF advanced again and cleared the crowd that was screaming gay power. Participants were chased through crooked streets only to see them appear around the corner behind the police. And by 4 a.m., the streets had nearly been cleared. Many people sat on stoops gathered by Christopher Park throughout the morning, dazed in disbelief at what had transpired. 13 people had been arrested, some of the crowd were hospitalized and four police officers were injured. Almost everything in the Stonewall Inn was broken. Police had intended to close and dismantle the Stonewall Inn that night. Payphones, toilets, mirrors, jukeboxes, and cigarettes machines were smashed, possibly in the riot or possibly by the police. Hmm. So everything in Stonewall was broken, but that didn't deter them. All day Saturday, June 28th, people came and stared at the burned and blackened Stonewall Inn. Graffiti appeared on the walls, declaring drag power. They invaded our rights, support gay power, and legalize gay bars. And regarding the status of the bar, they stayed open. That night, many of the same people returned from the previous evening, hustlers, street youths, and queens. But they were joined by agent provocateurs, curious of bystanders and tourists. Do you guys know what agent provocateurs are? No. Um, provocateurs are um, police officers that are secret agents and they encourage the suspects. So they're trying to incite things on behalf of the police officers. So they were mixed amongst the crowd trying to create more problems. Sounds like a conspiracy theory talk, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, so, sounds familiar. Does it? <laughs> we, we were just talking about it. <laughs> Thousands of people had gathered in front of Stonewall and the crowd spilled onto adjoining blocks. More than 100 police were present from the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 9th precinct, but after 2 a.m., the TPF arrived. Kick lines and police chases and tear gassing the crowd. Once again, the street battle ensued until 4 a.m. It was like 4 a.m. is like 
the time where everything just shuts down. <laughs> mm. That's when bars close. Right. right? In, so in it's like, okay, we're going to keep this up until 4 a.m. and then we're done. Over the next several nights, gay activists continue to gather near Stonewall, taking advantage of the moment to spread information, building the community that would fuel the growth of the gay rights movement. Police and the village residents had few altercations as both groups antagonized each other. Gay rights activist Craig Rodwell and his partner Fred Sargent took the opportunity the morning after the first riot to print and distribute 5,000 leaflets, one of them reading, Get the Mafia and the Cops Out of Gay Bars. The leaflets called for gay people to own their own establishments, for boycotts of the Stonewall and other mafia-owned bars because of public pressures on the mayor's office to investigate the intolerable situation. On Wednesday, however, the Village Voice ran a report of the riots, including unflattering descriptions of the events and participants, including a lot of slurs, limp wrist descriptions. A mob descended among Christopher Street. Once again, they threatened to burn down the offices of the Village Voice. Also, the mob between 500 and 1,000, there were other groups that had unsuccessful confrontations with the police and were curious how the police were defeated in this situation. So other people had just joined in and were like, look, we've had problems too. Let's all just mm -hmm. align together. Another explosive street battle took place with injuries to demonstrators and police alike, local shops getting looted and apparently by non-gay protesters and the arrest of five people. Over six nights, gay activists continued to gather near Stonewall, taking advantage of the moments to spread information and build the community that would fuel the growth of the gay rights movement. In the spirit of the 60s rebellion spread to the LGBTQIA people in New York and beyond, who for the first time found themselves as a part of a community. Through the gay rights movement didn't begin at Stonewall, the uprising did mark a turning point. It was the birth of gay pride on a massive scale. It was the first to get major media coverage and it sparked a formation of many gay rights groups. Christopher Street Liberation Day on June 28, 1970 marked the first anniversary of the Stonewall Riots with an assembly on Christopher Street with simultaneous gay pride marches in Los Angeles and Chicago. These were the first gay pride marches in U.S. history. When I went to New York uh, a few years ago, we went and visited Christopher Street and I heard that this was like kind of a gay capital of, of the world. And I mean, we were there in the middle of the night, so there wasn't really anything going on. It was just a lot of like the, all the road signs and the trash cans were painted pink. And it was like Big L's gay ice cream shop. And it was just like a whole bunch of stuff like that. But there was no context for me. And so I didn't understand the historical significance of it. Mm -hmm. And so the like, next time I go there, knowing this stuff. And, so and are you learning about it right now? I am. Am it, I teaching you something? Of course. Yeah, I'm nice. succeeding. The next year, gay pride marches took place in Boston, Dallas, Milwaukee, London, Paris, West Berlin, and Stockholm. Reporting by The Village Voice was positive, describing the out-of-resistance that grew out of the police raid on Stonewall Inn one year ago. So then they were able to change the narrative of the newspaper that was once printing slurs about them to something else within that year. Yeah, turn them into supporters. In June 1999, the U.S. Department of Interior's designated 51 and 53, Christopher Street and the surrounding areas of Greenwich Village to be on the National Register of Historical Places, the first of significance for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. So now Stonewall is a historical site and acknowledged. Yeah. In June 2009, President Barack Obama declared June to be Pride Month, citing the riots as a reason to 
commit to achieving equal justice under law for LGBT Americans. And 2009 was the 40th anniversary of the riots. The first pride was the riot led by queer people of color. And what does this mean to you being a gay man of color? So it's kind of special. It's kind of special to me because, you know, as a young boy, as a young uh, gay male of color, I'm thinking, wow, my people made a way. We, we, we know how to celebrate. We were some, we were pioneers and it just speaks to me, you know, to kind of push this message to other youth saying like, hey, learn about this stuff. Learn where we come from. Learn what others had to do in order for us to be where we are. And it just, you know, it makes me proud to be a gay man of color. We like that. We want everybody to be proud. Absolutely. And that you can affect change in your community. Right. I mean, exactly. You know, Even if it is- doesn't 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 help with change, it's it's going out and being active. And and you know, uh, there's several different ways. I mean, you know, they call it a riot. I think that was more of a just an active aggressive protest. But mm-hmm. um, tomato tomato. I wouldn't call that a riot. In fact, it was more the police doing the damage exactly. than mm-hmm. than the people who were being oppressed. Right. Exactly. But they still, even though you know, for for the most part, when this had happened many times in the past people were afraid and went home and fled this time they decided to just say no and and, and stop running and, and fight back and, and and they did fight back and they did oh. use violence but you know there are some times in history when you have that, to, that when that's called for yeah you know because other, otherwise do. it doesn't stop right i will let's take it back to even the blm movement where kaepernick didn't use violence mm-hmm. that that's a perfect example of somebody stepping up and You'd have half the country saying, you know what, don't you dare disrespect my flag. Don't take a knee during the national anthem. There are better ways to uh, to do it. And then after protests and riots, you you hear people say, can't you find some kind of nonviolent way to speak yeah. your mind? Right. Yeah. Right. You know what? You guys had a problem with that, too. It was the most annoying thing. Like, just like, really? Like, come on. Right. Like, it's like, you, you it's kind of you like you can't do it peacefully. You can't do it violently. You can't do it. Just, anything in between you just don't just want be us to be quiet do and yes. deal yeah, yeah just take it that's the only what you're right. really saying is don't protest yeah <laughs> right right don't don't invoke change don't don't create equality don't uh, i mean even if we take it a step further okay there was kaepernick and then there there was the the george floyd murder and then there were the riots i who lived through the rodney king thing which was only 20 minutes away from where we are right now and i was able to see it all like i think those riots led to the conviction of Chauvin. And I'm proud that that happened. And I'm not sorry that that, that target got burned. I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the quiet part out loud, guys. <laughs> I feel like that invoked change because I saw the disappointment with Rodney King. There was definitely a message. And, and part of the me- message in fighting with the police officers was, you know what? You guys think that you're the peacekeepers here? but you are because you have a society that allows that to happen. And if we want there to be chaos, there's going to be chaos and you can't stop it. So if you want to work together, you know, we're going to have to be on the same team. Right. Absolutely. Very well said, Connor. Thanks. You know what? Happy birthday. Again. (laughs) I'll I'll take it. Happy pride. Happy Happy birthday. Happy Happy father's day. Happy day. Happy day for everyone. Well, that is the all the time that we have for today. I want to thank you, Arnold, for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Thank you guys this. for having me. 
For today's charity, we recommend making a contribution to The Trevor Project, which focuses on suicide prevention efforts among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth. You can find them at thetrevorproject.org. We also have an Amazon wish list. If there's a topic you're interested in, go ahead and just send us the book. And if we cover the topic, when we do, we'll go ahead and give you a shout out. We also have an Instagram, Madam's Hose and Gigolos, Hose, H-E-A-U-X-S. If you have a topic, hit us up in our DMs. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like the show, please help us out by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with your friends. Thank you all for listening. Bye.